Today on a new episode of the Defense Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, sometimes it takes two for digital transformation and finding outside sources for internal solutions. It's Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Welcome to the Defense Scoop podcast sponsored by Salonis, where you'll hear what's going on in defense technology. I'm the host of the Defense Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. The Defense Scoop podcast will be a little different moving forward. We'll release two episodes each month, one on the 15th and one on the final day of the month. Each episode will align with current trends affecting the defense technology community. You'll still be hearing from top leaders in government and industry and their efforts to connect the joint force and fight future battles. Salonis, the world's leading process mining provider, helps public sector agencies reveal and fix decades of hidden process gaps across data systems to power their digital transformation. Visit Salonis.com to learn more. Organizations across government are using digital twins as a vital piece to IT and process modernization. Chris Lisk, Vice President for Public Sector at Salonis, joins my Scoop News Group colleague Wyatt Cash to discuss what digital twins are and how they can enable the warfighter. I think as as you often want to do, you want to start with the definition from Gartner. And so Gartner defines the digital twin as a digital representation of either a real world entity or system. And so when we think about that, you know, in maybe a DOD context, typically when we're talking about digital twins, it's common to think about that virtual model of something that's physical like an aircraft and being able to use that that model for testing and simulation you know of a system's performance put it under uh you know difficult circumstances potentially dangerous situations and then see how how it responds using that model well the same approach can be taken in the digital world with with processes and so by focusing on the business process you're able to build a duplication of that process and then test potential circumstances uh, and allow organizations to simulate those impacts to the process and, and be able to then take it a step further and to put attributes and value around what those inefficiencies might be costing the organization. And when we look at that, uh, that digital twin against the processes, really what we're describing is the process of, of process mining. And this practice is, is really an analytical discipline about discovering and monitoring uh, and improving those processes that are running you know, our organization. Well, um, how can defense agencies leverage the idea of a digital twin to both drive mission outcomes and, and, and more specifically enable the warfighter? Yeah, and I think when you when you look at uh, you know through the use of process mining on these complex you know ERP environments, looking to 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 do transformation, um, we're able to track the execution adherence you know to the documentation. Oftentimes, there's there's documented ways that things should be done, policies that should be followed, and we're able to track what's actually happening, uh, and then compare that against what's supposed to happen. Um, this also enables us to evaluate our exposure to audit risk and uh, identify potential gaps and, and get ahead of those and, uh, and, and, and identify areas to streamline. Why, why are we repricing 95% of our orders, you know, as an example? We're able to look at that end-to-end process, identify those inefficiencies 
so that we can take time, take cost, uh, you know, out of the uh, out, of, out of the organization, and to simulate what those future processes will look like and the impact end to end across systems that it might have. Well, can you share any lessons learned, uh, ideally in the defense space of, you know, how um, agencies and or uh, branches of the military are are using digital twins for uh, enterprise transformation? Yeah, that's a great question. We're in an, early in our journey with, with the Navy right now, but um, Navy's FMS team is working with Salonis and initiate a project so they can gain an objective view of their business processes around Navy ERP. They're going to assess the usage, the compliance, their standardization. And already within the first, um, you know, procure to pay that that, that that team has looked at, they've identified, you know, tens of thousands of variants across, you know, millions of transactions. And so large amounts of data, large variation and yet able to uh, really pull out um, and get meaningful insight from that data. And so I think as organizations that are large and complex look to modernize, understanding the reality of the as is, is, is critically important to beginning that transformation project. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Then lastly, Chris, how would you recommend that, uh, you know, uh, agency leaders and, and, and folks really closer to the front lines get started in thinking about digital twins and implementing them? Yeah, I think a few things. One, you know, tr trust, trust the models um, as, as you start building out your teams and your centers of excellence around, around process excellence, really, really trust what you're seeing. And, you know, go fast. Don't, don't be afraid to, you know, load data and really take a look and then refine as you, as you go. And I think within that organizations, you know, from a lessons learned perspective, they've built process champions, you know, someone within that, that COE that takes, takes ownership within the organization, but then bringing large, large um, groups within the organization and to evaluate the process backlog, to look at, um, you know, what, what, uh, what's most meaningful to the organization and then put metrics against it. Oftentimes when, uh, when a backlog is assembled, we start with whoever's the loudest, whoever, whoever's voice is, is, is demanding change the quickest. And with, with data, with process mining, with the ability to quantify the impact of that backlog, you can start to intelligently uh, prioritize that backlog of, of information and projects. And then really, this is about normalizing data science uh, and, and, and staffing uh, data experts with, you know, real meaningful, um, validated uh, information. And I think if you, if you use the analogy of an x-ray and what an x-ray machine did to the medical field, Doctors weren't bad doctors before 1895, and suddenly they became good doctors with the invention of the x-ray machine. They just had additional uh, capability to make those, those really objective, uh, fact-based decisions that where, where prior to 1895, it was all subjective. And that's really the era we're in now as it pertains to process mining. We're in an era where we can get that objective ground truth of what is happening within our organizations 
And so uh, as a lesson learned, just, you know, trust that model and, and, and move forward. Excellent. Well, Chris Lisk, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to um, join us here and uh, share your perspective on how digital twins are really helping to uh, modernize and transform uh, federal and the defense agencies and in their efforts at, uh, you know, trying to really uh, drive missions and, and in the case of the military, enable the warfighter. You can learn more about digital modernization at defensescoop.com. Scoop News Group's Zero Trust Summit is just over a week away. Hear how IT leaders in defense, federal, civilian, and industry are adopting Zero Trust and modernizing their security postures. It's all happening at the International Spy Museum on February 23rd from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can learn more and register now at fedscoop.com slash attend. The Department of the Air Force will conduct its next Bravo Hackathon March 20th through 24th at Hurlburt Field in Florida. Applications for those interested are due by February 20th. Prior Bravo Hackathons have resulted in prototypes and innovations that influence major Defense Department programs. Stuart Wagner is Chief Digital Transformation Officer of the Air Force and the organizer of the Bravo Hackathons, and Jimmy Rev Jones is Lead Program Manager of the Air Force's Stishes Warfighter Application Team. Welcome both of you to the podcast. Stuart, we chatted last year about the initial Bravo and the purpose of the Hackathon series. How is this latest event in March going to build off the progress made during earlier events, and what exactly is new about this one? Sure. Thanks for the question and your interest in this. Uh, I'm going to start by first breaking a little bit of news about what we've accomplished in these past two events. So uh, to summarize what we've done these past two events, we've spent actually less than a million dollars actually on these two events located at four locations at three classifications. Uh, among those four locations, we have produced 47 operational prototypes on classified data or protected data. And those 47 prototypes of those, we've seen actually 14 actually that we know of make uh, some sort of significant and valuable impact. And, um, and so this is kind of the asymmetric, you know, power law returns model that venture capital does, except we're doing this with very low cost, classified and uh, protected data prototypes, which has been very exciting. Uh, among the uh, accomplishments, which we've never spoken publicly really about, um, we have a few I'm gonna highlight right now. It's gonna be more than a few, you can cut me off if you want. Um, <laughs> number one, there was a Bravo One project produced that uh, works in an open compute environment and displays additional threats to the pilot during sorties. And this is being worked on further. These are all going to be worked on further. Uh, a rapid flight data debrief tool for a major weapons system that clusters electronic warfare threats was produced at Bravo Zero. That's in production now. There's a Space Force launch scrub predictor that predicts basically if a mission will scrub based on weather, such as say lightning striking, et cetera. Um, that team built a prediction algorithm that outperforms the current one. And so that's being further funded and resourced. Uh, the Air Force actually, um, the fix our, fix our IT, fix our computers, right? The user experience data analysis, there were a number of teams that did this. Um, that work has 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 been transitioned now increasingly into into production under Colt Whittle's watch, and Colt Whittle was a big supporter of our last event. 
Um, there's a weather aware sortie planner from Bravo One that's being further worked on, a SAR imagery stitching project that's being further developed. Um, there's there's a project that actually brings class highly classified data down from one major weapons platform to the secret level, um, which allows that data to be shared with military and intelligence uh, organizations is being done. Um, Rev is very familiar with the personnel recovery automation system for personnel recovery for downed pilots and other things that's being worked on. Um, there's a weapon system that that when that that utilizes um, multiple radar and uh, when when one of those radar fails we've actually been able there's a team that was able to figure out how to use deep learning to actually recover that radar sensor and predict what it would show and that's that's being continued to be worked on um, and there's there's a system that takes known weapons signatures and fuzzes them uh, in order to basically provide potential representations of family of signatures of systems that that's been worked on um, and then and then a couple interesting outputs that's come from this event include that the space force actually has invested additional resources into data engineering activities oriented around these events um, a data set a well-known uh, weapons platform uh, that has highly classified data we learned of a secret data set that was brought to one of our events and and organizations that were unaware of that are now leveraging that secret data set extensively and we've gotten incredible, you know, feedback and onboarding and interest to the the Advana Edge platform as well as the Stitches platform as a consequence of these events. So these are some of the things that we know about that have been incredible return on investment. We actually um, we we think based on on the cost we've been putting in that actually we we we're we're one to two orders of magnitude, meaning ten to a hundred times cheaper than other well-known innovation funding initiatives. That's what we're seeing from, from the outputs from these events, which is pretty exciting. So, um, and, then, and then to answer your question, what are we doing next? So we've already described some, some multi-domain capabilities and use cases for weapon systems. What we're doing is we're going bigger. So what do I mean by bigger? Um, we're, we're number one, we're scaling. So we now have participation from every military department including OSD. Uh, we are getting weapon system data from every military department. We have um, within the SOCOM community, of course, uh, it's being held at AFSOC, so we started with them. Um, and, and, and we have participation from every major SOCOM organization. Um, and so what, what we're doing basically is we're trying to scale this to one giant DOD and actually intelligence community in the future uh, event where basically data engineers and data scientists can collaborate and work together to build weapons capabilities, just like those we've described just now, um, and go further. And the cool part about these events is we really don't know what's going to get developed. We bring the data, we produce the environment, and then and then we let people run wild with their imagination. And, and it's just incredible some of the things that have been produced. So um, those are some of the things that have been produced that I can talk about 
Um, and it's been it's been really exciting to to watch and kind of facilitate the work of, of so many people that, that have gotten excited about these events. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and that's quite incredible. And it sounds like there's quite a few uh, interesting prototypes that are being expanded and lots of good work that's come out of those initial uh, hackathon runs. And I'm curious, you know, as you mentioned, uh, what's going to come next? And, and I'll direct this question to Rev. Are there specific examples of problem sets or types of solutions that best fit the hackathon environment that participants should come ready to work on? Or is it really just an open door and people can work on anything they want? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question. So the um, the the so this is the the third hackathon that we've done um, here in the in the DAF uh, for the DOD. Um, it's a, it's an offshot or a, um, a, 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 Basically, it, it was derived from uh, thoughts that uh, that Stuart and I had, but uh, but really from uh, from uh, what we called Gauntlet's uh, integration events that we had uh, while I was at DARPA. Um, the the first event that we had, the hackathon event that we had a year ago, um, was there wasn't any limitations about what we could uh, what we could solve. Um, simply for the fact of um, we wanted to determine uh, what was like a what what was a good bound for for what these events could uh, um, uh, could solve as well as the talent like we had no idea um uh, a year ago uh, right uh, right during christmas if anybody would show up uh, and it turns out we got 80 applicants uh in in the time between christmas and new years for an event that started uh um a couple of days after the new years um uh, so what, what we learned from there was that, uh, uh, that we can solve a lot of problems um, uh, that uh, that when people show up and have access to data. Uh, but what we really wanted to get after is now that we kind of uh, knew where that talent pool was coming from, uh, the next two events to include this next one uh, are sponsored by um, folks that uh, that basically want to have a hackathon in their work. And and at least uh, to, to be clear of the term hackathon, uh, we, we get a lot of uh, which is which part of part of what your question is, is, is what is a hackathon. A uh, hackathon is nothing more than an event where we have uh, a high, um, uh, basically a 24-7 ops or 24 hours a day, five days uh, ops of, of high density computer programming in order to solve a problem given data. It is not uh, necessarily like a penetration testing. Um, so while people uh, may think that, uh, that hey, we could go out there and be uh, black uh, black hat or white hat hackers, um, uh, depending on what, uh, what your goal is, that's, that's actually Actually, not what we're doing. Um, so the the problems that uh, that we're looking to solve uh, are the ones that uh, that basically are are in, uh, impediments to to normal operations throughout uh, throughout the DoD or uh, within the DAF. Certainly, um, uh, a lot of these things are uh, given given access to to data. Can we find um, hidden signals uh, inside of there that uh, that we presume uh, are recorded, but we just haven't had a means to uh, to take AI ML applications or um, Advanced uh, signal processing algorithms that don't have anything to do with AI, uh, and go um, go find hidden data or data that's not apparent um, to uh, to the average uh, user by the tools they have. Um, other things, uh, it's pure automation, uh, like what we're doing, uh, personnel recovery and uh, combat search and rescue, um, is is connecting systems together that uh, that uh, that uh, that haven't been uh, tied uh, together before. Um, a lot of the a lot of the specific efforts are tailored to the sponsors of the event. Um, 
and specifically what they need. We're certainly not limited to that, but that's where we start. I'd say half, 50% of uh, of, of the uh, the problem sets come from the uh, the, the the organization who's sponsoring us. Uh, and then the rest of uh, the events are folks that uh, that frankly get their ma- uh, major commands or MAGCOMs or their their large units like uh, uh, AUMS um, uh, and, and uh, JADC2 derivatives um, to, to say that, hey, we've got these sets of data. Could you help us find things out? Uh, so it it's it's tailored, it's specific, uh, but does that give you a more of a sense of like what things we're able to do? Absolutely, and uh, it's not just normal data either. From what I understand, it's you've been able to successfully incorporate classified and protected data. So how do you do that for an open hackathon event? Yeah, well, so that's uh, so the the, the all, all the words together um, make it sound really unusual. Uh, it's an open hackathon event in the fact that it's open to uh, to any uh, uh, any American with a security clearance. Uh, obviously, that's uh, that's uh, that that's still a limited category, but uh, but there's quite a few number of folks that have it. Now, that's um, that's just the classified portion. For the unclassified portion, with uh, with what's called CUI, used to be for official use only, but now it's um, uh, 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 upgrade in terms um we provide uh, people with a need to know based off of uh, background and, and can they supply um, relevant knowledge set from from their backgrounds. So we had huge successes um, in the last uh, um, Bravo Hackathon in July, uh, where um, we, uh, we we had a lot of uh, industry and academic partners um, uh, from uh, in and around the community uh, in Florida um, uh, basically participate in in some of the weather data. Uh, so they were able to bring their uh, their state of the art expertise from academia uh, that we just don't have at the ready all over the place inside the DOD. Uh, so while it is it is open, there's still a limited set. Now, how would we do those things um, is uh, one of the two things I brought over from, uh, again, uh, I, I came from, from DARPA for, for five years before uh, rejoining the uh, Department of the Air Force. Um, I brought over uh, an, an integration system called Stitches and then also the core, which is a platform uh, that also includes the, uh, the inform- uh, uh, basically information system that allows us to connect things. That isolated um, uh, system has its own authorities to operate uh, that we're allowed um, with the, within uh, certain bounds to basically put uh, new novel capabilities that you only get from state-of-the-art uh, um, research facilities that have never gone through um, any kind of um, uh, 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 adjudication, certification to be put put on, uh, uh, on platforms. Um, for instance, um, if uh, if 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 you if you hear a general trend of like hey we want to play a- uh, apply AI or ML uh, to uh, uh, to some problem set the majority of the advanced capabilities that are in the AI ML uh, regime um, uh, aren't cleared for a DoD network but yet in our confine we're not only allowed to put the DoD data that uh, that we we can get from classified areas but also those other um, uh, applications uh, and you're allowed to bring in any open source um, software with a certain uh so that doesn't have license fees it's mit like license so there are some some sort of restrictions but we're able to to do a whole lot in uh within the laws and uh, uh policies that uh, that we have we just don't uh arbitrarily put restrictions hopefully that was a complete answer yeah no that was great and and Stuart, i'll pass it back to you because it seems like this hackathon is pretty much open to anybody who's willing and interested in participating so is that the case and you know as people want to come and participate it seems like there's some different roles that they can take in the exercise so what are those roles yeah billy uh, appreciate it and and just to kind of 
uh, piggyback on Rev's last answer real quick. I, I, I think because you've been writing a lot actually about the ATO process, right? You can imagine the environment we produce is ultimately um, facilitating uh, basically capability development before you need to seek an ATO. We're actually allowing people to build without an ATO yet and allowing them to trial with the data without an ATO yet. And we think that actually saves money. To answer your question with regards to the the uh, who can apply, um, so so any American citizen is eligible to apply for our events, any single one, uh, and and um, if you have a secret or higher clearance that may allow you access to spaces and data that those without it have, but if you are an American citizen, you can apply. Uh, and and we encourage we're we're interested in any any American citizen applying, regardless if you're employed, if you're a university student, um, or if you're employed with a company, um, you can apply. If you're a contractor, uh, a government contractor working in 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 your capacity as a government contractor with permission from your your um, contracting officer, you can also you should you should apply. You can't apply, uh, and 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 you can bring use cases as well, and then. And then if you're government as well, you can apply. What are the roles? Well, there are three roles at this event. We've expanded to three. The first is hacker. That's Anybody is eligible to do that. And all you really need is a builder mindset. You don't necessarily need to be a coder. We do encourage coders to apply. Uh, they do seem to have success. But interestingly enough, the best projects have all had someone who is not a coder. Okay, on the team. It turns out if it's just coders, it doesn't tend to work. If there's no coders, it may also not work. But but we find that that if there's no if it, we want we want we want a diverse group of folks. So hacker is building. Anybody can apply for that. Uh, who's an American citizen? If you are government or contractor, there are two additional roles available to you. One is subject matter expert, and the subject matter expert typically is associated with data or a use case from an organization, and they're coming to facilitate the groups. So we found at our first event, we didn't have that role. And basically the builders showed up and they really didn't know as much as they could have about the use cases. There's still some great outputs, but we really wanted to allow the use case experts to interact, uh, but not be on a team, to help multiple teams. Those are subject matter experts. They're often bringing use cases. And then finally there's support. So if you're government or contractor and you want to like see what we're doing, be part of the environment and experience and networking and everything that takes place at a hackathon, but you're not actually interested or feeling confident yet in building, you can support. And supporters basically help get food, help handle the logistics. They're running security. There are massive security requirements at an event like this because we're running 24 hours. So we need human beings to be guarding the equipment and the data at all times for this event. So it's a temporary ATO that's used, and 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 we just need people to help support that. Um, and so we welcome those folks. Um, I think that should answer your question. Yeah, it does. And it seems like quite a feat of logistics, a lot of uh, things going on at once with those three different roles, but uh, it's, it's nonetheless super interesting. And I'm curious, it seems like there's also a number of DOD organizations signed on to provide support. Um, who are they and how are they assisting Stuart? Sure. Uh, so I don't know that I can reveal all of them, but I, I'll reveal some for you. So, so number one, uh, we're really excited to announce Project Overmatch is actually supporting uh, not just with with uh, we, we we consider sponsors to provide like data 
or a use case, that's sponsoring enough. That's great because they're sharing something. Um, but actually, Project Overmatch is providing a little bit of monetary support uh, as well, which is super exciting and bringing infrastructure and data relevant from, from the Navy and, and warfighter operations from their side. Um, and, and then we also have um, key key supporters include the vice chief of staff of the Air Force has funded a majority of this event, uh, as well as 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 AFSOC, um, and we're really appreciated appreciative of those groups. As you branch out to organizations providing software and data, those include, of course, uh, Spectral Warfare Wing and and and, and the Stitches program, um, but it also includes SOCOM, it includes USASOC, it includes Naval Special Warfare, um, and 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 I've already mentioned AFSOC. Um, it includes as well, uh, we, we expect we will be getting data of some kind from Army Conventional Forces um, and, and organizations doing innovation there. Um, but I'm not going to I'm not going to announce anything, but they would be aligned with or along the lines of a project overmatch or like organization um, that exists in the Army. Um, there, there, there's also um, OSD CDAO. Is, has provided um, data and infrastructure in the past. We're expecting actually a lot more from them, and there's some talks from that. And then, and then most recently, actually, the intelligence community has started to say, "Hey, we want to come play at this environment as well." So we're 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 seeking to produce one giant joint DoD hackathon, and 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 we think we're going to hit that goal. It's looking increasingly likely that that a lot of the organizations that we were hoping would come play are are, are expressing interest, are sending us use cases, and are going to come. Um, and send data, uh, SMEs, um, and software to our events so that we can kind of hack on it for a week. Well, that's incredible. It's a lot of people involved, a lot of organizations, and um, definitely excited to see what comes out of it. But, but while I have the both of you, and, and Rav, I'll go to you first. Are there any final thoughts on the upcoming event or details that you know listeners who are tuning in and interested in participating that they should know? Uh, yeah, so there's a uh, one uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, in and what type of problems that we're solving. Um, uh, while the, the the what I mentioned was was focused on sponsor events, um, what we're what we're fundamentally addressing is uh, is enterprise level uh, functions that that either have gone um, unflexed, unpracticed, um, or or just are are completely nascent uh, into the DoD. I.e., if if uh, if we were to take data to get it from one place uh, to another. Just that act of exercising, getting classified data from one um, one environment into the other to be able to use it. Um, if if people um, are in the DoD that want to help um, uh, get get their data out into a more useful place, um, this is this is a place to go. Um, so uh, it's it, we we may not uh, we may not be able to to get all uh, at all times the, the talent to uh, to address the specific problems. Uh, but I can tell one thing: as long as there's access to data, when uh, when the nerds are bored uh, because they're waiting their turn to go solve a problem with uh, what they think they can, uh, people will always dig into data to go figure out what else they can solve. So this is a great event for solving micro as well as uh, enterprise level problems. And Stuart, same question. Any final thoughts, details or information that people listening in should know? Yeah, well, so so two two kind of thoughts here. The first is if your industry and you're wondering why should I attend this event? Okay, um, there's there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, these events provide a need to know, which allow you to access really interesting and incredibly important information to the Department of Defense. 
And, and by having knowledge about those data and making contacts with folks who work on that data, it kind of facilitates the relationship between the DOD and the defense industrial base. And we think that's really important and a valuable kind of um, um, a valuable um, basically asset that comes from this. Number two, if you're a federal employee or a, uh, primarily a federal employee, a, a DOD employee or federal employee, and you're wondering why would I attend an event like this? This is like, I don't know, this is like attending a conference, but, but, but multiples better. And the reason for that is because you're actually building with other people. So if you're trying to say, accelerate your career or find a new place where you could be excited about your work, if you're not happy with your work or find connection and, and, and um, 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 basically connection to your existing work, attending an event like this really can, can, can kickstart your ability to connect with your work or somebody else's work and, and, and to engage with it at a level that may be uncommon in your day-to-day -day job. And so we think that we've actually seen some career outputs from this as well that, that, that could be quite beneficial um, to folks thinking about improving or, 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 or changing their career at DOD um, and finding like-minded folks who, who want to work on things they're excited about. Once again, Stuart Wagner and Jimmy Rev Jones, thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. Enjoy Thanks, your day. Thanks, Billy. You can learn more about DOD cybersecurity at defensescoop.com. The Defense Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Defense Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Talk to you again on February 28th. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.